hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 99, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I can't believe I screwed up that intro. That is, yikes. <laughs> well, you've only done it 99 times. Well, yeah, more than that, really, if you count the bonus episodes. <laughs> God. And the and the times, do you remember when we first started doing this and you had to do the opening like 11 times? Oh, God. <laughs> when I die and go to hell, which, let's face it, is happening, yeah. that will be the thing I'm forced to relive. Having to do it over and over and over and over. Yes. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. After about 150 years of that, Satan's going to look and go, man, this is the worst shit I have ever come up with. That's <laughs> I belong here. But getting back to the, the point of the show, I am good. I am good. I am good. excited for another episode of Original Stories. Yes. And this one uh, is very classy. It is going to be stories of haunting in the bathroom. Oh, your favorite. Isn't that where you keep all your mini cameras? <laughs> we don't talk about that. I told you. Oh, shoot. Sorry. That sorry, was sorry. a between us secret. NDA, NDA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you signed the paperwork. Yeah. You know what this means. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting every time we try and go into the grocery store and they're like, not you. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Oh, right. Again. Again. Yet another place. This is why we have to always order in, isn't it? It, it really is. And I have to use a fake name on the takeout. <laughs> I'm not going to that guy's house. Just drop it off at the door. Yeah, 200 meters away from my door is <laughs> about right. Oh my God. So bad. But yes, I was, I was washing my hands the other day, which is a, a practice I find myself engaging in quite a bit these days. <laughs> it just sounds funny. Like I was drinking milk the other day. I used a glass. <laughs> well, I see you're bragging again about your elevated social status using right. glasses to drink things instead of just drinking from the tap like a hungry, hungry horse. That's right. Or swinging it right from the carton. Yeah. 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 I, I, I will admit I, that was, I used to be really bad for that. And, um, the only reason I don't do that now is, well, A, I can't drink milk and B, uh, rice milk. It's much harder to drink out of the carton. Oh, good. So there is some saving grace. Yeah. Good. It's forced you to, forced you to be, to be couth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not my own self-control. Yeah. You understand. It's just logis- no. logistics. Logistics. Exactly. So sorry, you were saying you were washing your hands. Thank God. Yes. And I thought to myself, I wonder, can a bathroom be haunted? I know of three restaurant bathrooms slash hotel bathrooms in Victoria alone that are haunted. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ended up with an episode entitled, Yes, Virginia, the bathroom can be haunted too. <laughs> Before we get there, I, I have a story I want to share with you. Please tell me. So I, as you know, my neighborhood has been the site of a couple tent cities, which have sprung up during the course of the pandemic. Right. And I, I mentioned this on the previous episode because I had, it may even have been a mini show where I, I had that uh, maybe slightly uncomfortable experience walking near the park where there was that strange fellow hunched over and doing kind of a kooky walk, but never showing his face. Yes. Very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. So last week, my wife was out of town. Nick, Nick was over on the mainland for school. Um, and mm-hmm. thankfully she's back and she's safe and everything is good. Good. But while she was over there, there was one particular night I was laying on the couch. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And I thought I heard a woman saying, hello. 
Oh, no. But at the same time, my stomach rumbled and did that kind of high-pitched, you know, sound that stomachs kind of make. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, oh, it must be just my, my stupid guts that are making this noise. And my imagination teaming up to freak me out. Yeah, as, as they so often do. Yes. But then I heard it again coming from the bedroom. I heard a woman's voice going, hello? Oh, no. Hello? And I thought, okay, if it sounds like someone's in the bedroom, I've since learned this, or I, I learned this, that means they're very close to the window. They're, they're right. not in the bedroom because you can't get the window open that wide, no, but they are God. close. So I go into the bedroom and one of our cats, Bodie, he's sitting on the bed and he's looking at me very, very quizzically. Then look kind of like, what's going on? What's here? happening? Yeah. And then he looks at the window and looks back at me. So I, I turned off the, the, the lamp, which I left on for him because, you know, cats run my life. Right. And I, I peek out the window and I see in the light of the LEDs around my patio door, what appears to be a woman hunched down in the bushes. Oh. And it looks like she... That sh- seems weird. It's not usual. Yeah, this is un- this is still unusual for my neighborhood, or it was. And so she appeared to be shaking. And I thought, okay. So it looks it looked like she was hurt. And I thought, well, if she's right. hurt, I, I can't just ignore it. So I, right. I go to the patio, or patio, that little concrete balcony. I love it. You're calling it the patio. Out on the lanai. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I turned left and crossed the terrace. With my, what is it, about three feet wide? Yeah, it, I think it's about at, three feet At most. Yeah. <laughs> but in the, in the red lights of, of my LED, I see there is, in fact, a, a woman, probably about my age, hunched down in the bushes. You're such a weirdo magnet. Well, tell me about it, man. It gets better. It gets better. Because this person is wearing, a, she's, got, she's got long red hair, and she's slim, and she's wearing a, probably about a thigh-length pea coat or something like it. Okay. Yeah. And she's just shaking. And so I said, are, are you okay? And she says to me, I think I'm going to die tonight. Oh, Jesus. And I said, it's okay. I said, well, are, are you hurt? Do, is there someone you need me to call? Right. And she said, no, no, my, my, my worker just dropped me off at the park. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just getting worse and oh, worse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I assume worker is like caseworker, social worker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the park is the park very close to my house where a lot of people are, are currently <laughs> camping. And now, yes. I should add to it's raining. It's raining quite hard. Oh, no. So, and she said, I just, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. To me, I think, okay, she's, she's having a panic attack. Right. I know what that's like. So I, yes, yeah, yeah, me too. So I yeah. said, you're not going to die. It's okay. Just take deep breaths. It's going to be all right. You're not going to die. We talked for a while and we got her to calm down. But then she asked me if I knew of any place, like places she could hide. Cause she didn't, she didn't feel safe sleeping in the park. And honestly, right. even the smaller park near my place, it's not great at night. I, the thing is I, I felt for her. I, I don't think she's safe. I think she right. thinks she's right. right. But how the fuck do you, do we live in a world where Literally 75% of the hotel rooms are empty. Right. But I have someone asking me, where the hell can I go and hide for the night that's dry? Not warm necessarily, but dry. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it was just crazy. Obviously, I can't invite her inside because I don't know this person and it, no. it's a pandemic. So she didn't have a home. No, she, I believe she was, uh, she was uh, yeah, a homeless person or a, a, okay. in the temporary, temporarily homeless at least. And again, presumably her social worker, if there was a better option, he would have sent her there. So yeah, it was right. just, it was just a crazy thing. And eventually she calmed down and she introduced herself and, and then she said, I, I'm feeling better now. I'm going to go. Uh, and I, I suggested some places I know of, which are reasonably sheltered and, and safe. I told her not to sleep on this side of the park, but the rest of the night I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop because right. I thought, could it just be as simple as someone 
who, as she told me, was having a, a freak out and saw the lights of my patio. That's right, patio. And found them calming. So she came to my window. Is it something that simple or is this something much, much more sinister? And, you know, there were people peeking in my window trying to see if I had shit to steal. Yeah. Which yeah. sounds uh, what's cynical, but, you know, it's, it's, it's. No, it's a really common thing to go up to people's front doors and knock on them. And if someone answers, they'll be like, oh, hey, is Jim home? And the person, of course, will say, oh, there's no one named Jim here. Oh, sorry, I must have gotten the wrong house. And then if they don't get an answer, they go around to the back door and they knock. And if they don't get an answer from that, then boom, they're, uh, they're in the house. That is the only uh, strange and or unusual thing that has happened to me recently. But I thought that it was weird enough. Oh, I hope she was okay, though. You know, like that's the kind of thing that, like you said, the waiting for the other shoe to drop, like. You're just sort of like, oh, is she okay? I am pretty sure I saw her the next day standing down the road with a, a fellow who's dressed, uh, you know, kind of presentably and she was smoking a cigarette. He was making some calls. So I assume that's her social right. worker. So she, she made it through the night. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we do have a musical guest on this show and it is our good friend, uh, Peter of Pizanta Music. Nice. Yeah. He composed an original piece for us. It's called The Grey. You'll be hearing that during the breaks. And if you want to hear more of Peter's stuff, head on over to, well, really anywhere you stream your music. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with stories from, well, it's hard to say haunted bathrooms dramatically, Ian. <laughs> it depends who's been in there before you. Good point. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is going to be all about the very, very elegant subject of haunted bathrooms. <laughs> but before we get there, we wanted to share a piece of listener mail uh, that was really, really interesting. And th this just came in a couple days ago from Michaela. And Michaela says, I went through a dark time in my life and got really into supernatural lore and being in this dark place, I had little concern for my own safety. I am native, so I've heard stories of these creatures and always heeded the warnings. I live in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, and my home is surrounded by forest. I started whistling at night and speaking the name Skinwalker, tempting this thing to come find me so I would know it was real. This went on for a while, but it wasn't until I had given up and decided it was all fake that I was proven wrong. Mm. I was letting my dogs out, and they wouldn't leave my side. You let which the was... dogs out? Who? 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 <laughs> We're so lame. <laughs> we really are. Jesus. Oh, uh, well, made me laugh. Okay, please proceed. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was letting my dogs out and they wouldn't leave my side, which was odd for them. Then beyond the fence line, I heard it. My own voice called my dog's name. Nova. I looked down at the dog whose name had been called and she growled at the darkness. Nova looked up to me and whined and I told them to go to the house and we all ran inside. I never tempted it again and every once in a while I still feel that feeling at the property line of something in the dark and sometimes I hear whistling in the woods. I do not whistle in return. And Michaela, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, we, we don't want you to think we're making funny when, with the, the joke there. We're just, we're very old and we have stupid senses of humor. We do. We but do. that is genuinely frightening. And I think it's a really great example of why you have to be careful with this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Because you don't know what you're calling back. And yeah. And you, you don't want to mess with that. You really don't. And, and I think there's this tendency to, I don't want to say play with this stuff because that's not quite what it is, but almost... To sort of, to test the waters to see if it actually does happen, you know? Mm -hmm. When you and I were on Booze and Bourbon a little while ago, mm -hmm. we talked about this, this idea that 
especially with the subject of the good folk, it, people yeah. seem to feel like they, they got to stick their finger in the fire to see if it really does burn. Mm-hmm. And I think skinwalkers are the same. I think it, you know, we kind of do that thing where we're like, oh, it's just a, it's just a thing. It's just a story. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. scary. But then it actually happens. Yeah. And what do you do at that point? You know, because you've conjured a thing that has an agenda all its own and you can't control 100%, it. And you can't control it. That's exactly what I was going to add to that was um, it's a bit like a Ouija board. It's basically you're opening up the window and going, come on in, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Seldom works out well. Yeah, no, that I mean, think about just being at home. I mean, we were just talking about strangers outside your house. What, what happens when you open the door and say, come on in, y'all? Yeah, yeah. Please exactly. cough directly into my open mouth. <laughs> oh, the fridge is over there. Help yourself. Yeah, exactly. So now, on with the stories. Outside the fence. When you're a kid, you think rules matter a lot more than they do, at least generally speaking. You assume that when you break them, you will immediately be caught and have to suffer the consequences. But as I've gotten older, I've learned that's not really the case. Did you know, Brennan, you can have cake for breakfast and no one cares? It's true. Do you know how surprised I was when I found that out? Like <laughs> I could have whatever I wanted. When Nick was gone, I made jello almost every day for myself. <laughs> I love that. You can just do it. No one can stop you. I know. Anyway. Yes, please continue. It does say, I just read the line about you will have to suffer the consequences. Well, he follows up because this is very true. But as I've gotten older, I've learned that's not really the case. There are consequences, just not the ones you expect. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I first learned this at a YMC summer camp when I was six years old. For most of my childhood, I went to camp every summer. And so even by the age of six, I'd made a lot of friends there. This particular story happened on a day when the counselors had taken us to a nearby park, as they often did. The park itself was unremarkable, as I recall. A gazebo and a flower garden with a public bathroom just outside the fence. The bathroom was a low, flat-topped white building that we were forbidden to go to by ourselves. Everything outside the fence was off-limits. However, there was also stories that the bathroom was haunted. And even at six, that was like waving a flag in front of a bull. Of course we had to go. The problem was coming up with a plan. After all, if the counselors caught us going outside the fence, they may take away some of our camp privileges, and we couldn't have that. Our grand plan? Run when they were looking the other way. <laughs> the hell of it is, it works. When we finally got into the bathroom, we started looking around for signs of anything spooky. It was your standard bathroom, by which I mean, it stank. There was also an air about it. Something didn't feel right. Of course, you ask, couldn't that just be the perspective of a little boy who was there looking for something to feel strange about? And it totally could, if not for what happened next. The bathroom was a fair size, with around 10 stalls, and we checked every single one until we were satisfied there were no ghosts to be found. One friend decided he had to use the bathroom while we were there, so he did. And while we waited, the rest of us talked about how the legend was bullcrap. That's when the friend who'd gone into a stall started screaming. We ran around the corner to where he was standing in front of the sink washing his hands, and in the mirror we saw what had scared him. No one had come in, yet in our reflection, a dark figure in the shape of a man stood behind us. The rest of us screamed and ran out of the bathroom like it was on fire. We didn't even care about getting caught anymore, and ran straight to the counselors babbling about what we'd seen. 
It's a testament to how frightened we were that they never bothered to punish us for going outside the fence. And you better believe we never did it again. I thought they were going to see something scary in there like George Michael or something. (laughs) Oh, that's a very topical reference. Wasn't it for what, 2000 maybe? (laughs) Yeah, at least. But there's about 30% of our audience that went, oh, okay, that's funny. And the other 70% are going, who? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who's this guy with two names? (laughs) That's funny. I look forward to more topical humor from Ian. I hope you have from, maybe a shake weight joke hidden away there maybe, somewhere. Maybe because I posted a throwback picture today from my friend Karen. She sent it to me. Oh, yes. And uh, maybe that's where my brain is now. I'm like back living in 1998. <laughs> it was a better time. It was a better time. Armageddon was coming out. I was in high school for three more years. Okay, no, high school was shit, but Armageddon was great. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. I will say, though, do you remember being a kid? just looking for adventure in everything. Oh, for sure. So, you know, if there was a shitty old bathroom that, you know, I'd never been in there before and someone said it's haunted. Well, it's not just some stank old bathroom. It's no, it's, it's the potential for adventure. The haunted bathroom. The haunted bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. There was a house on our street and, um, it was a rental and it was just never rented for very long. And it always just seemed to be empty most of the time. Oh yeah. So that was quote unquote, the haunted house basically right 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 right. it's just what we called it um there was another one that my little brother and i broke into oh jesus (laughs) it was empty the people had moved and um we just climbed onto the garage where there was a balcony right so we just climbed on the fence over the railing on the on the balcony on the garage and they left the patio door open oh wow so was it breaking? I don't think so, but we definitely did the entering. Yeah, if, I'm pretty sure, I mean, you would know better than I, but I'm pretty sure that's in a book somewhere on things which are illegal. Yeah, well, I was 14 and my brother was 11. Actually, no, 12 and 10. So I don't think, you know, we would have gotten a whole lot of trouble. And of course, we were good kids, so it's not like we went in there and, you know, broke anything or turned the water on. We literally did nothing. We walked around in a completely empty house right. and felt like badasses, right? <laughs> and then we climbed out the same way we got back in, making sure to close the patio door behind us. Right. Um, and and went home and, and had this delicious secret that we talked about for weeks. Okay, that's pretty sweet. It, it was, it, yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine used to... Um... His family was, uh, well, maybe they kept some rough company, we'll say. Right. Uh, when, I was a, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't understand, you know, but right. I, I learned later, it was the kind of place where if you were a biker coming through town, you knew you could always go there and party. Okay. So yeah. I didn't think of it. I just knew there was a bunch of people who would always be around the, the dining, like the kitchen table. Right. Drinking beer and smoking and smoking, but I, I never thought about it. But then I found out years later, oh no, this kid's mom and dad were both heavily involved with some oh, Jesus. motorcycle clubs. And yeah, I mean, no one ever treated us badly, but uh, no, no. I, I imagine we probably, you know, crossed paths with some, some rough customers at several points. Sure. But uh, after a while they were forced out of there and they ended up in this other house just down the road, right next to the train tracks actually. Right. And this place, I remember I became obsessed with this house. Because they had moved in and rented it after the owner had died. Right. So this guy had lived in there for probably 40, 50 years. Right. And he was very religious and he had crosses everywhere in this house. Oh. Everywhere. Yikes. And so when he died and they took all the shit out, they left, the crosses had left these imprints in the wallpaper. Oh boy. 
So at, that's creepy all on its own. Yeah. So, <laughs> so at nighttime, I, we, he would be in there. And of course, you know, his folks were never around because they were out partying. We'd right. be in there wandering around and the light from the streetlights outside would hit these crosses in just the right way to light them up. Right. Because they were kind of rubbed shiny for over the years. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a creepiest hell place. And, and thinking That about, would be super creepy. Thinking about it now, I do kind of think there was something going on there. Maybe I'll, I'll send you a picture after the recording. See, yeah. See what you think. But um, I, I remember standing out there when I was like 15 years old and just staring at that house one night for 10 minutes. And one of my friends said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I want to stare at this place. Ooh. So good thing it wasn't a bathroom because I feel like staring at a bathroom for 10 solid minutes might draw some <laughs> the wrong kind of attention. <laughs> the Shakes. My job requires a lot of traveling, most of it not very interesting, and none of it involving the supernatural, at least until recently. Prior to my arrival in Makati City, Philippines, my experience with a strange and unusual was limited to the odd episode of sleep paralysis, which I always assumed had to be some kind of misfire in my brain. The experience in my flat at Makati City is not so easily explained. Work pays for our accommodation, and that's fine, although it means we have to bunk up with our co-workers, so I share this 23rd floor condo with two other people, whose names I'd rather not say. They work the day shift, and I work the night shift, so we are rarely in the apartment at the same time. Let me tell you that if you want to get along with roommates, this is the way to do it. The shaking started in my third week of being here. I woke up one afternoon, wandered into the bathroom, and splashed some cold water in my face to wake me the rest of the way up. Afterward, I locked the bathroom door and, and turned on the shower. Then, just before stepping in, noticed that the door was shaking, like someone was pulling on it. My first thought was that my roommates were pranking me. So I decided to prank them right back and open the door while bare-ass naked. No one was there, and a quick walk around the small flat showed me it was totally empty. Maybe I was mistaken, I thought. I was not. Moments after I went back into the bathroom, the shaking started again. More violently this time. I turned to look directly at it, and there was no mistake. That door was shaking as though someone were pounding on it from the other side. I was scared to my very core. Try to imagine it. You are naked and alone in a strange apartment, and something you can't even begin to explain is happening right in front of you. And maybe, just maybe, someone or something wants to get in. If it wasn't for the trembling, I wouldn't have been moving at all, and yet the door still rattled in place. Slowly, haltingly, I raised my hand and turned the doorknob. The shaking stopped, and when I swung it open, the hall was still empty. Wrapping myself in a towel, I stepped out into the hallway and then into my room where I sat on the bed. I tried to rationalize why this was happening. After all, I'm a technician. We're supposed to believe in logic and numbers. That reminder helped me to stand back up and test out a few things to see if there was a natural reason for the door to behave this way. Over the next ten minutes, I tried replicating the shaking with every variation I could think of. Door closed with shower running, shower off, window open, window closed. The only consistent thing being that I was outside the bathroom. Not only did the door not shake, but I tried to make it shake and couldn't budge the thing an inch. By this point, I desperately needed a shower because work was fast approaching, so I went back into the bathroom, locked the door, and the shaking began immediately. I decided to ignore it, and once I finished washing, it stopped. Since then, it hasn't happened again, so I truly have no idea what it was. 
And I assume that's some kind of ghost who was trying like hell to prank this guy and was super pissed he wasn't buying it. Oh, I don't know. It's freaking weird. Like, pay attention, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, like, can you focus, please? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a trainee ghost trying to get his haunt license. <laughs> his supervisor's watching with a clipboard, like, mm, shaking door, weak sauce. Weak, yeah. This guy isn't even running. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're, you're, you're going to you have to try again next, next yeah. month. Yeah, that's, <laughs> pay your $25 on your way up. Crying. When I was a teenager, my mother worked for a large organization that every two years would rent out a massive manor house in lone Philippines for the use of employees and their families. When I say massive, I mean massive. Ten large rooms and ten bathrooms. I didn't even know you could have ten bathrooms in one house. We would stay in this place for a week, playing games and otherwise interacting with one another. It was a Christian organization, so much of what we did was organized around the idea of praising God, which was fine by us. The only cloud hanging over all of it came in the form of another older manor house, which also stood on the property. It had once been the main house, but now it lay in ruin. According to the groundskeeper, the family who occupied the old house had been massacred by bandits one rainy night many years ago, and afterwards, no one had wanted to take stewardship of the house. Whatever the bandits hadn't taken, he said, was left behind to molder, and we could at least verify that much looking through the windows at certain angles. You could see waterlogged furniture, black with mold. We were told never to go inside, and never did, but I believe something from that black house may have visited us. On one particular visit to the manor house, my father fell ill with bronchitis, and by the time we were getting ready to go home, the hot, humid weather had made it worse, so getting him home to a doctor became a priority. We had come to Lalone via a ship, but as that was a two-day journey, it wasn't going to be fast enough to get home. So my mother decided we would fly. And we coughed on every single person on that plane. <laughs> Directly into the air intake. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other families had gone home by this point, so she decided she would take my two younger siblings to the city to buy the tickets, and I would remain to keep an eye on my father. Once they'd left, it dawned on me that the two of us were the only people left in the house. All ten rooms and ten bathrooms of this remote country house were completely empty. After Dad fell asleep, the place got even quieter, so I decided to take advantage of the situation by taking a shower. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry. This might not seem like... <laughs> <laughs> After a week praising God in a room full of people, a house full of people, you're going to want to take that shower. <laughs> as, a, as a former uh, uh, participant in Christian camps, trust me. Oh, this raises all kinds of uncomfortable questions. <laughs> this might not seem like a big deal, but having 10 bathrooms in constant use absolutely ruins the water pressure. So getting one of these luxe bathrooms to myself with constant water flow is a big deal. I chose the middle bathroom turned on the shower, and jumped in. The pressure was exactly what I was hoping for, and I relaxed into the steam. It's then that I heard the crying. It was a woman's voice. That much was unmistakable, and at first I tried to ignore it. Yeah, that sounds bad, but I live in the city, and even as a teenager, you get used to the idea of not being able to help everyone. When I remembered we were in the country with no other houses or people around, I started paying attention. The crying got louder, and I switched off the shower to better hear it and realized it didn't seem to be coming from one particular place. The crying was coming from everywhere around me. Fear immobilized me, except for my heart, which was beating like a trip hammer. 
I could barely think, and all I could hear was that horrible, mournful wailing. It sounded like someone in terrible pain. Despite my fright, I managed to croak out, Who is that? It's not funny. But the crying continued, and if anything, it got louder. Pulling the shower curtain to one side, I managed to reach the door and open it a crack. But as I did, the crying became more localized, almost like it was rushing towards me. As fast as I could, I pushed the door closed and locked it. The weeping was now right outside, but somehow I managed to make myself rinse the rest of the suds off me, and by the time I was done, it had ceased. My father, who was awake by the time I got back into our room, didn't believe a word of what I said, and told me I'd either been asleep or imagining it. But that's just stupid. Yeah, asleep in the shower. Yeah, okay. Whatever, Dad. Asleep standing up in the shower. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Dad. That's helpful. Um, How's that cough? You want a pillow for your face? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Of course I was awake, and of course it was real. I just don't know who it was or why they appeared to me the way they did. Was it connected to the older and house out back? I guess I'll never know. I, for one, would say... Yes. <laughs> I, for one, would say do not vacation on the grounds of a murder house. Uh, yes, that is solid advice. That seems like pretty pretty good advice you can just take with you anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. That advice is 100% going to travel with you. <laughs> oh, that's the old Vandenberg place. Yeah, they murdered the shit out of a lot of people in there. Huh. <laughs> huh, we should maybe camp here for the night. Yeah, good good thoughts. No, good call. Good call. Yeah. And uh, there's a, here's an upside down crucifix to hang on the outside of your tent so that the serial killer knows exactly who to head for. Oh, that's, that's thoughtful. Thank you. <laughs> the stank. If there's one thing I learned from my drinking days... It's that good things rarely happen past 2 in the morning, and when they do, it's usually with someone else. My 2 a.m. experience just happened. I was alone, and let me tell you, I am not happy about it. But the experience itself isn't going to make much sense without the backstory, so here goes. This townhouse is one of the middle units in a row of six. The bedrooms are upstairs, along with the bathroom, and then downstairs is the living room and kitchen, where I'm writing this, along with a courtyard where I hang my laundry. The courtyard is where I first actually saw something, but the strange activity began with voices. A few months ago, when I was preparing to take a vacation, I began to hear what sounded like an aboriginal woman chanting. The words were never clear, but I could make out the cadence and sometimes a light music that went with it. I got used to it just in time for my vacation, after which it ended. During my vacation, the house was burgled and a few small things were taken. Thankfully, no real damage was done. My courtyard sighting happened several weeks ago while I was out hanging laundry. At one point, I happened to glance past the clothesline just in time to see a shadow go past the bathroom window. Now, I have my cat Mitch, which I love for a cat's name, but despite his name, Mitch doesn't have a human outline, which is (laughs) what I saw across my field of vision. So that's one possible explanation crossed out right away. I mean, is that a possible explanation? I feel like that's reaching. If a skeptic says to me, oh no, that that human you saw, that was just a cat, I'm going to slap him upside the head. (laughs) Immediately, I headed inside to see if someone had broken in again. Last time, burglars used the large balcony off the master bedroom to gain access, and I had to assume that's what happened this time, so I crept back in through the back door. The first thing I saw was Mitch, sitting just inside the back door, looking toward the living room. This was significant, as Mitch always stayed close to the sofa, which he had basically claimed as his own. Softly, I padded up the stairs, which looked directly into my bathroom, and no one was there. I quietly opened the door to the spare room, which was also empty, and did the same for my bedroom. No one. 
By now I suspected something strange was happening, but as nothing else happened I was forced to leave it alone. Then came tonight. Before bed Mitch was acting kooky, running back and forth from the top of the stairs to the bathroom door. Again, not something he usually does, but I wrote it off to cats being cats. Then, shortly after the aforementioned witching hour of 2 a.m., as I lay in bed reading, the most foul, detestable, horrid smell drifted in through my bedroom door. Yes, from inside the house. It stank like rotting flesh, getting stronger as it approached. Then the smell changed direction. It seemed to be heading toward the French doors which opened to my balcony. A moment later it was gone, and in a moment after that, so was I. Now I sit in my kitchen waiting for the morning light to make this all, if not okay, a little bit further away. Mitch is going crazy, running back and forth from here into the living room, his tail arched. Maybe he knows something I don't, but I hope he keeps it to himself. My cats do this to me all the time, especially when Nick was gone. I'm, I'm here by myself. You think they're just fucking with you? or? Yeah, they just stare at one corner of the room. They kind of look at me. They look back at the corner. And deep inside their evil little furry head, you know, they're thinking, <laughs> that dumb motherfucker, he thinks something's wrong. Look at him get worked up about this. I was going to say, I don't think I've heard a story about stank, but that's not true. Oh, I have. I have. That's oh, really? one. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of times that's a, a way of something revealing its presence through scent. And if it's something terrible, sometimes it can be really bad. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, the story I, that just popped into my head was a couple friends, actually the ones I've told you about before who think they have like a, a boggart or something that followed them back from, I mean, that's their name for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a British some, term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. that followed them back from the haunted uh, Airbnb they ended up staying in in England. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. And every now and again in their apartment, they will encounter this column of like stinky air that smells like dog. Right. And there are no dogs on either side of them. It's not near a vent or anything. It'll just be a column of air. And they said it usually kind of starts about mid height and it goes down most of the way to the floor, but not quite all the way, I think. Oh, okay. And then it just dissipates. Hmm. But every now and again, they'll just walk into this column of really awful dog stink. Oh, wow. And uh, really awful dog stink is going to be my new, my new band name. So you can't have that. <laughs> the Others. Have you ever seen that movie, The Others? I have. I thought it was brilliant. One of the most fundamental movies in ghost lore. The one where the family's being haunted by ghosts, or at least thinks they are, until they find out they themselves are dead. Oh my God, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure, but that movie is old as hell. I know, but still. Anyway, sometimes I think the house we live in is like that. Not that me and my family are dead, but that we've been haunted by something that sometimes, I wonder, if we're haunting right back. The land our house sits on was once the site of some old barracks, though I have no idea for what. My dad and his brother built the current place around 30 years ago. And before they did all the remaining structures on the site, they had to be hauled away to the trash. So we never really got a chance to examine anything to see where it was from. Are the old barracks the source of the haunting that's followed us all these years? I don't think so, not really. Why? Well, some of the things I've experienced don't make sense if all we're dealing with is dead soldiers or railroad workers or whatever. It also seems weird that they would only haunt me in the bathroom. Well, then you don't know railroad workers. <laughs> Looking at you, Sam. I know you're out there. <laughs> this is embarrassing and kind of gross, but bear with me. Oh, did you come to the right show? <laughs> the first strange thing that happened was when I was 12. Mom, Dad, and my sister, Mo, were out of the house, so I had the place to myself. Like any good king of a castle, I began my reign in the bathroom. It was there, sat on the bowl, doing my business, 
that a fart came from the shower. Now I know how that sounds and it ain't great, but I swear hand to God that it happened, that it didn't come from me. And it came from the open shower where absolutely no one was standing. The next bathroom haunting happened a year later and was the most unnerving. Everyone was home and I'd hustled upstairs to use the bathroom. I just finished my business and was just about to get up when I felt two invisible, well, hands, I guess, pressing down on my shoulders. No matter how much I used my leg muscles to push against the force, I couldn't move an inch. Then suddenly as it happened, the force lifted and I was immediately able to stand. For the remainder of the night, my shoulders tingled where whatever it was had touched me. There was a ghost saying, no, 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 let me sketch you. <laughs> In retrospect, I should have checked myself for marks, something that would have proved I'd been restrained. But at the time, I didn't have the presence of mind to do that. I was scared shitless. Well, almost. <laughs> <laughs> ah, funny joke. You always get me with a poop joke. Little classy poop poop. There poop you go. There you go. The next story happened another year later when I was 14. And this one I'm not sure about. Only my dad and I were awake. And I was getting into the shower when I heard a whistling and a rustling from inside the pecan tree outside. It wasn't subtle either. This was noisy, hard to explain, and went on long enough that my dad noticed and woke my mom. They went outside to check on it. So I quickly hopped in the shower. And by the time I was dressed and downstairs, the sound had stopped. Mum and dad said they'd gone out to pray when they saw two big black owl looking things, which in our culture we call a lechuza, a creature that is half witch, half owl. If I believe my parents and I have no reason not to, then I think the lechuza was trying to lure me outside because it believed I was either alone, weak, or both. That was the last of my experiences for a long time, almost five years. It was an unremarkable morning. I woke up, stumbled into the bathroom, and reached behind the shower curtain to turn on the water. As the bathroom filled with steam, I hung my towel on the nearest hook, shucked off my PJs, and went to pull the shower curtain back. When I did, a woman screamed. Imagine, if you care to, your woman showering alone in your house and a strange man pulls back the curtain. The air raid siren scream you're probably imagining yourself doing is exactly what I heard. It went as quickly as it had happened, and when I pulled back the curtain again, you'll no doubt be shocked to know the shower was empty. That experience is the one that most put me in mind of the others, and made me wonder if we were somehow infringing on people who'd either lived there before, although that was unlikely as the house was original to us, or maybe the people who will live there afterwards. Maybe time is weirder than we like to think, and my naked self ruins some poor lady's afternoon 30 years from now. Not a great thought for either of us, I think. I don't know, the fact that the world still exists and people are having showers 30 years from now, I find that very encouraging. I find that encouraging as well. <laughs> if, if a nude time traveler wants to show up and ruin my day 30 years from now just to say, hey, motherfucker, the world still exists, do it. <laughs> Bring your gross naked ass back here. <laughs> And you said I couldn't work the phrase gross naked ass into this show. This is my superpower. <laughs> Lockup. Most people would, I think, say that the most memorable thing about the day their mother went into lockup was the fact that, well, their mother was going into lockup. By lockup, I mean jail. This, however, was not an uncommon occurrence in my childhood. So when the call came in to let us know what was happening, and my dad left to post bail, I shrugged and went back to watching cartoons. At the time, my younger sister Tammy was over at a friend's house for the night, so I had our house to myself, which didn't happen often, and I was quite happy about it, even under the circumstances. It wasn't until the phone rang that something started to feel wrong. Putting down the TV remote, I got to my feet and walked down the hall to the landline. 
but as I did, I became aware of a strange feeling that made me want to look in the direction of the bathroom. The door was wide open, the hall light reaching only a foot or two past the frame, leaving the rest of the room in darkness. I can't explain why, but I felt like if I kept looking in there, I was going to see something I didn't want to in the mirror. The phone call turned out to be my older sister, who doesn't live with us, wanting to know if mom was out of stir yet, which of course she wasn't. I told her I'd call her if anything changed, but true to form, she kept calling and calling. Each time, I took pains not to look in the bathroom. After hanging up what would be the second to last call, I heard a loud bang, as though someone had marched right in through the front door, but of course, when I checked, it was still locked and no one was there. I had just sat back on the couch when the goddamn phone rang again, and it was while stomping back to pick it up I saw what had happened. The bathroom door was now closed. Panic rose in me, but I tried to tell myself it had been closed by the wind, or in some other easily explainable way, but when I tried to open the door again it wouldn't move an inch. It was like it had been locked. I stood back, hands on my hips, wondering what the hell was going on. Then the door flew open and I jumped back. This has to be the wind, I told myself, but when I stepped inside to verify that, the window was closed tight. The fear rose again. An inner voice told me to just get the hell out of there, but my curiosity overcame me, and I looked in the mirror above the sink. What I saw still haunts me today. Standing behind my reflection was a dark, hooded figure as tall as the ceiling. I screamed and spun around, but no one was there. Frantically, I looked back in the mirror, and there it was again, but a little further away than it had been. Time to go. I ran outside of the house and stayed on the porch until my parents came home from the cop shop, a wait of about seven hours. It was maybe four in the morning by the time they got home and cold out, but I didn't care. There was no way I was going back in that house by myself, and from then until I moved out, I badgered everyone into leaving the bathroom door closed whenever they left the house. I have never seen that figure again. I think that um, that kid was probably in more emotional distress than they realized. Oh, interesting. And I think something was probably drawn to the kid, 100%. Oh, okay. Even if your initial... Your initial reaction is like, oh, yeah, when well, mom's in jail again. Um, it, they kind of gave himself away right off the bat with that being the open line of the story. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. That th this was not necessarily unusual. No, but it was still significant. Yeah. I know that friend I mentioned, you know, previously in the house where, you know, they often had a lot of bad folks around. You know, he, he was a great guy, but he, yeah, he had a lot of problems. He, he always seemed to be, okay, fine. Everything is normal. Yeah. But there was a lot of tension underneath that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just because this is your normal doesn't make it okay. And I think that, Oh, absolutely. I think that phrase applies for a lot of different life scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Does it ever, <laughs> I wonder why it localized in the bathroom though. Cause you got a whole house to turn up in. It seems like a strange spot. You think it's just like a a fluke of geography or <laughs> you I know mean, what i honestly have is it no, just a pervert yeah 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 just a pervert um i don't know in gin lore they say that gin will hide in dirty places oh okay like like bathrooms right why would the gin hang out in the bathroom though i don't understand neither do i i don't i don't quite understand that part of it but they, they will hang out in places which are unclean or Things like this. And I, and I don't know if it's because they feel comfortable there or those are places people don't go as often. Right. But uh, I know that in one thing I recall reading that before you use a toilet, some people will say bismillah, which is sort of like, um, I, I, I want to say like an excuse me kind of thing. Really? Yeah. Like you're acknowledging the thing there. 
Wow. Okay. We've talked about before how underneath all these things, there's probably a larger truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, behind the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. There's, and I don't, I'm not one of those people who thinks that, oh, well, it's just your brain, but we tell our story to make sense of the brain. Sure. No, I I do think there is something, what we would call paranormal happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it just operates according to rules we, we still don't fully understand. I agree with that. 100%. And if not that, just, you know, paranormal perverts. <laughs> the note. About a year ago, I got tired of living in the hustle and bustle of Philadelphia and decided to find a place in the country. My husband, Mike, and I had split a few years before, amicably or close enough, and I'd retained custody of both our five-year-old son, Paul, and the house we lived in together. Mike had been fine with my selling of the place, and the proceeds were more than enough to buy a fair-sized home out in rural Pennsylvania. It was a lovely blue and yellow two-story with a veranda on one side and a finished attic that almost qualified as a third floor. Paul and I have really loved being here, or we did until last week. Last week, for no apparent reason, I started having trouble sleeping, and a strange vibe started to fill the house. For the last three days, I felt sick to my stomach just walking inside, and I've started having nightmares, which is new for me. The circumstances are often different, but the point of them is always the same. Paul is in trouble, and I need to protect him. There's this crazy part of me that thinks someone or something is trying to get me out of here. Maybe for my own good. Maybe not. I'm not sure. What I am sure of is that around a week ago, dead flies started turning up in my bathroom. I dismissed this at first, but then this morning while Paul was watching television, I began to hear water dripping. Before long, the drips had become a torrent, and when I went to investigate, I found that the hot water tap in the tub had been turned on full blast. Something else happened today, and it's freaked me out far more than the tap. After finishing work and picking up Paul from the daycare, I came home to find a note on my door jammed between the job and the frame. It read, Check your breakers and GFCI switches. As I mentioned, we live in a rural area with no other houses within shouting distance, so there are no friendly neighbors who might be giving me a helpful hint. I didn't even know what a GFCI switch was. A call to Mike solved that particular mystery. He said it's an outlet in the bathroom with a special circuit that shuts it off if the current gets unbalanced. I looked at the outlet he meant, and it looked fine to me. But what do I know about electricity? I do know that something's wrong here, and I don't feel safe. So you, you know how sometimes we talk about how when we do these episodes with stories from online, we kind of get annoyed because we don't know how they end? Yeah. This is the most extreme example of that. <laughs> this is almost like a setup for a horror movie. Oh, yeah. I went through all the comments. And what's crazy is what this sounds like to me is someone's going to murder you. <laughs> Perfection. But all these jackasses in the comments of this particular story were saying things like, well, you know, uh. It sounds like you might have a very interesting spirit there. Like, no, motherfucker, the spirit didn't write a note. <laughs> the serial killer wrote the note. <laughs> the one who lives in the walls. <laughs> and he was messing with the electricity. Or maybe he's just mad because, like, he's trying to stream Netflix or something and the power keeps going out. Like, we don't know. Well, that could be. Well, either way, there's someone living in the walls. Whether he's watching Netflix or you sleep. True. That he's in the walls and I don't want him there. Light cycle. I've never been one for the whole smart home thing, but my husband very much is. And so that's how we ended up living in this beautiful house festooned with technology that I understand just fine, but still dislike. One of the most disliked parts of it, the lights. I'll tell you why. My husband often falls asleep down the hall in his study, so it's not unusual for me to wake up alone in bed at two or three in the morning. 
If I'm feeling charitable or just cold, I'll go give him a nudge so he comes to bed, but not always. Sometimes a girl just likes to have the place to herself. This one night three years ago, I woke alone to find the ensuite bathroom's light very slowly cycling on and off. You can bet there was no way I was staying by myself. First, though, I did try to solve the problem by just turning the light off. Of course, because we live in an episode of Black Mirror, there's no such thing as a simple switch for this light. Instead, it's a touch-sensitive panel. Tap for on and off, and the dimmer goes up and down depending on which direction you swipe. The goddamn thing wouldn't turn off or stop cycling no matter what I did. And the hell of it is that not only was it cycling, by which I mean dimming and brightening without any input from me, but it was doing it at a rate which was slower than should have been possible with manual adjustment. My first thought was there was some kind of power surge happening, so I opened the door to the hallway to see if the other lights were similarly affected, but they were all steady. Now, it was a job for my husband to sort out, as he'd arranged this whole domestic starship enterprise. So I strolled down to his study where he was dozing in his chair, and just as I was reaching down to wake him, I noticed that the light from the bathroom was absolutely beaming into the hallway. I didn't even know it could get that bright, and was concerned it may start to burn too hot. Hubby was groggy, and I couldn't get through to him, so I kept trying. As I did, I saw the lights were still dimming and brightening, but faster than before. The cycle was speeding up. I'm hard to shake, but this was getting to me, and fast. The lights were now cycling so fast they may as well have been strobing. It was physically painful to look at. If I had to guess, it was going through the full cycle in a half second or less, making a harsh clicking sound every time the lights brightened. To my great relief, Hubby finally came to, and I quickly explained what was going on. Together, we just started walking back towards the bedroom when everything went dark. My insides went to ice, and I clutched his hand. We kept going towards the darkened bathroom, more slowly now. But once we were there, all the light switches and bulbs worked just fine. Even the bathroom turned on and dimmed appropriately when prompted, and we've never had another problem with them either. Maybe more interesting than the lights doing what they did was my reaction to them. Like I said, I don't spook easily, but the faster and brighter those lights got, the worse my anxiety. The dark doesn't bother me. Like the guy in that Batman movie, I've lived a lot of my life there and I've gotten used to it. But that night, and for a few after, I had to sleep with the light on. So... For this one, I, I really want to point out, I wrote, of course, uh, these stories from original accounts. These are everything that happened, yeah. happened. But last night, I think it was last, no, sorry, two nights ago when I was writing this particular story, it was about midnight. Right. Maybe a little past. And right. I actually had an anxiety attack. Because of this story? Because of this story. I can see that. Yeah. Something about it. As I wrote it, something about adapting that, it just started, I don't know, it got to me. I've and had that it, happen. Oh, really? Not to the same extent, but I've been in the living room by myself and all the lights have gone down and then they've all gone up and then they've all come down again. And then I just reach over and I click, click, and I turn the light on manually. Right. Um, It's still controllable by the system, but if something's going wrong with the system, that will sort of reset that one light. Oh, okay. But I don't enjoy it. Yeah, no, see, this is why I don't have a smart anything in my house. (laughs) Well, especially when you consider that most um, spiritual activity does happen through electricity. Yeah. It does seem like we're tempting something. You really are. That's that's just like, again, like kind of head in the lion's mouth. Yeah. Waiting for trouble. Yeah. I, I, I've got that Facebook portal and that's bad enough because periodically for no reason, it'll turn on. Urgh. We'll be sitting there watching something all of a sudden, and the screen lights up. I mean, we've got the cap on the camera and yeah. the microphone is yeah. manually turned off. 
but it still turns on. And I'm sure it's just some random, you know, terrible thing Facebook is doing because Facebook is the devil, but it, it never fails to spook me at least a little bit. Blessed by blood. This is going to be our final story for tonight and a content warning for people who have issues with the topic of suicide that does feature quite heavily in this story. This is not a story I'm proud to tell, but it happened and thankfully I'm in a better place now. Growing up poor in the South wasn't easy. By the age of 12, I was addicted to drugs. By 14, my life had become such a mess I was looking for a way out. We were a Christian family and my parents were good people. So whatever you think of me after this, please don't judge them. My friend Ernie, who at 14 had the same demons as me, found his way out at the end of a shotgun. He died instantly, his life leaking out the hole in his chest. Another friend, Clint, and I found out what had happened when we stopped by Ernie's that same afternoon, but the place was packed with people. Authorities, family, looky-loos. And we'd both been drinking and didn't get very far. I can't even remember the last time I saw him. My family was kind to me when I told them, but little bastard that I was, all I could do was fixate on how many people had been at Ernie's house when we stopped by. I wondered if that many people would come to our house if I had died instead of him, and somewhere along the line became fully jealous of a friend's suicide. If you've never been an addict, God bless you, and I hope you never know the unending misery of that experience, how it can take whatever goodness or humanity is in your life and twist it to its own ends. Not all the time. You're still you, but you with a hunger and a preoccupation greater than any love you may have. To give you some idea of this, Ernie's suicide sent me to my room not to mourn, but to sulk because it wasn't me. I cried myself to sleep praying that God would do what I was too weak to do myself and remove me from this earth. The bathroom in our house was opposite my room and my mother always left a nightlight on in there in case anyone got the urge in the night. Because of this, I always slept with my bedroom door closed. When I awoke that night, it was after 3 a.m., and the bedroom door was open, but the bathroom light was invisible. I had awoken crying, saying to myself, I don't want to die, over and over and over. When I opened my eyes, what greeted me instead of the bathroom light was a figure standing at my door. It was massive. Our ceilings were seven feet tall, and its head just about touched it. This monstrous person, or thing, or whatever was darker than anything I've ever seen. You could describe it as being Grim Reaper-like, but... That's not enough of a description. Back home, there used to be a place everyone called the fairgrounds. I don't know if a fair had ever happened there, if so it hadn't been for a long time, but in my lifetime it was just a bad place. It was a concrete apron a few hundred feet square, with a few scraggly bushes barely hanging on, and everywhere you looked was trash, tires, old mattresses, mangled shopping carts. Even at my lowest point, I was afraid of it. Because deep down, you knew it was a place things go to die. When I say this thing in my bedroom looked like the Grim Reaper, understand that it looked the way the fairgrounds felt. It was the end. All I could do was whisper, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. The thing drew closer and I felt a kind of cruel excitement emanate from it as it did. It was like it fed on my fear. When it was three feet away from me, my eyes had adjusted and I got a better look at it. Seven feet tall, almost four feet wide, and ten times darker than the darkness around it. It was somehow solid and see-through at the same time, except you couldn't see through or past it. I can't describe how it moved, like it floated and walked at the same time. 
When it finally reached for me, it didn't have arms exactly, but two things that peeled off its side like wings. I couldn't even breathe. In desperation, I closed my eyes and said internally, Please, Jesus, I don't want to die. I wished that as hard as I've ever wished anything in my life, and as I did, I felt a warm, liquid feeling flow all over my body, but under the skin, like being blessed by blood. I felt completely at peace and knew even before opening my eyes that the thing was gone. My mother's nightlight was again shining at me from the bathroom across the hallway. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode. We couldn't do it without you guys. Don't forget to check out Luke's Luke Lore podcast, which is available everywhere fine podcasts live. If you're a patron, of course, you get those episodes 30 days in advance, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And Sarah also has a podcast, Slashers with Sarah, which is also everywhere fine podcasts live. For our part, uh, Ghostory Guys has finally been added to Pandora which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that this was an exciting thing, but apparently it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes. So That's we are amazing. now everywhere fine podcasts live, including Pandora. Well, good job, Brennan. Thanks for making that happen. Hey, it's what I do. It's what you do. You just make miracles happen. It's true. <laughs> like Jesus. I was going to say. I knew you were. I knew you were. Take these tortillas for they are my body. Oh, God. You better stop now. <laughs> All right, it's time for our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Allison Smith, Cheryl, Julie F., Jay Webb, Anna Baker, Amanda Del Cassian, Michael Coons, Lisa Miller, and Angel Hernandez. Thank you so, so much for your support, guys. We can't mm-hmm. tell you what it means to us, uh, especially now. Again, mm-hmm. you, you guys have provided a stability for us through the p- course of this pandemic that uh, I just wouldn't have otherwise. And that is l- literally life-giving. So thank you so, so much. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the 1, 5, 10, 20, and $50 levels with all kinds of cool stuff like our Cabin Fever episode, which is a monthly hangout with me and Ian where we just shoot the shit about all the stuff that doesn't fit into the main show anymore. There's also our monthly live shows. And we're just introducing, as of last month, you will get uh, one episode every month of my revived music show, Largely the Truth, with music chosen by me and Ian. Yes. Because of various music licensing issues, those will only be up for the month in which they're created. So the November uh, election special, which was two hours, that one, as soon as the new episode goes up, which will be in a couple days, that will be deleted and you'll have our Christmas special instead. So again, all that stuff and more along with exclusive stickers, art cards, my night photography, and of course, Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Aware of Wonder. All that and more at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. If you want to get in touch, you have a story to tell or a comment, question, or gentle criticism, send us an email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. We share lots of correspondence now on our mini episodes, which happen every other week. We answer questions, share shorter stories that wouldn't necessarily fit into the main show. It's a ton of fun. 
They're on your regular podcast feed. Again, they'll come out every other week from these episodes. And if you want to have your message read out there, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is the way to do it. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash ghoststoryguys. And Instagram at instagram.com slash the ghoststoryguys. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as largely the truth. And I'm on Instagram as Ghost Story Guy and Facebook as Ian Gibbs. And finally, if you don't feel like typing, well, then you can always call the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. We're going to call Ghost Line. Call one 888 Thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for her Ghost Line jingle. If you want to call the ghost line, that's one 588 6920 That's a toll-free number within North America. If you're outside of North America, but you still want to send us a story or a comment via voice, you can just use the voice app on your phone and email it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com with the subject heading ghost line. And if you don't feel like calling, you can always text. We're at 925-553-4789. Again, that's 925-553-4789. Eight, nine. Everything we get from the voice line is shared on the mini show. So if you leave us a message, uh, whether it be a story or just a comment, make sure to tune in and you will hear them then. We do love hearing from you guys. I love having the voice line. Whenever I get a, uh, a voicemail notification, I always get real happy. <laughs> Perk right up. Exactly. <laughs> as far as things coming up, um, I am going to be on the 100th episode of Mysteries and Monsters, which is coming up soon. Uh, just, a, I think a 10 or 15 minute spot. Paul's done, had a huge number of people join him for that. So I'm not sure whether I'll be in the first or second part of that show, but, uh, I'll be in one of them. So cool. make sure to check it out. Yeah. Nice. And I also did a spot on the Phantom Faction podcast and that's not out yet, but as soon as it is, I'll be putting it up on our social media. So keep an eye out for that. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. As always, it uh, helps bump the numbers, get a few more eyes on the show and we sure appreciate it. Tell your friends about the show too. That's probably the best way we have to grow is for word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So if you like what we do, you think someone else, uh, you know, might be, it might be into it. Let them know. If you want to pick up some ghost story guys, merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Follow the links to our T public and Redbubble stores. There you can find all kinds of goodies. And you can also find links on our website to our big cartel store at ghoststorygues.bigcartel.com. And that's the place to go for autographed copies of our books art cards of my night photography, pins, stickers, and a whole bunch more. So again, that's all at ghoststoryguys.com and follow the links. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music everywhere you get your tunes. He also composed the bumper music for today's show, and that was entitled The Grey, and that is exclusive to the show. Our story theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find them by looking for Hexagram wherever you stream your music, and that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. All other music and sound effects on the show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to EpidemicSound.com to check them out. I don't know if we'll be back next week with a mini-show because we are starting work on our 100th episode, mm-hmm. which is going to be a very scary Christmas, Volume 3. It's going to be a, It's going to be a big one. Uh, well, it's going to be another theater of the mind, another audio drama. That's what I mean. Like a lot yes. of work, a lot yeah. of work. This is our Christmas present to you. And when I say our, I mean, Brandon. 
<laughs> well, you will be you will be present and accounted for as well. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a lot of work, and uh, I may or may not need the time. We'll again, we will see. But uh, either way, we will be back in two weeks with our hundredth episode, our Christmas special, a very scary Christmas. Mm-hmm. And until then, into the darkness we go. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 100. Oh, Jesus. No, fuck. Maybe one of them's cool. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so funny, Ian. God damn it. Why does all the funny stuff have to be that? <laughs> Hello, Doug Stench. <laughs> <laughs> I say. You want a picture? I really don't. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's not an offer. That reminds me. I just watched this movie last night called Bay of Blood. And there's a scene where this guy is eating a live squid. Ew. But the way the scene opens on him, it literally just looks like he's cramming a ball sack into his mouth. It was <laughs> the grossest thing in my life. That's so funny. You are literally stuck in the 90s. I, I am I, trapped here. Now shut up and get me a Capri Sun and a Dunkaroo. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be... <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs>